Welcome to New at Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at numa.church. All right, go with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 6 to 9 on the plane back home from Bangkok last weekend. Uh, the Lord began to speak to me out of this passage. By the way, uh, last Sunday, I prayed for a little boy whose uh, right hand was swollen to um, uh, one and a half times the left hand. And uh, the mother came down and his whole hand was like on fire with an infection. It was really hot to touch. And so um, Tim, one of the missionaries there, and myself, we laid hands upon this young boy and literally the mother shrieked because under our hands as we prayed, the swollenness reduced immediately. And uh, you could tangibly, visibly see it. Another man had um, irreversible, so the doctor said, liver disease, 900 plus something. It's only supposed to be 40. Prayed for him over 48 hours. Uh, this man um, actually went and got tested. And on the Sunday, they discovered that the liver count came back to 90 and was being totally healed and restored. And we know God's still healing, still moving in power. We've had 14 cancer patients healed healed, and a lot of them healed without any treatment. Um, over, so if that's what God did yesterday, what is he going to do today? And what is he going to do tomorrow? So I believe the Lord has a word for you. Isaiah 55, 6 to 9 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want to speak to you today on the subject, RSVP ASAP. RSVP ASAP. Have you noticed that people don't tend to RSVP to your special event until the very last minute? Why is that? Well, there are several reasons. One of those reasons is is because it's simply not a priority for people. Your priority is not others' priority. And so some people will uh, delay RSVPing and, and until they get around to it. Others, maybe it's laziness. Maybe they're not organised. Maybe... They're just simply distracted. For others, they're waiting for a better option. And so they wait till the very last minute to RSVP because maybe something else would come up that they would rather do. Well, this week we received a number of urgent phone calls from people around the country and overseas, shocked that Conference 2 was booked out. And uh, they were ringing up. I had phone calls myself from Western Australia and Queensland. Uh, our office had, various staff had. What do you mean it's booked out? And I'm like, we've only been advertising it for five months. Um, uh, and it's like, but, but hey, there's Conference One, and why don't you come to Conference One? And it's really interesting to, you know, think through the psychology of RSVPing. RSVP translated from French to English means please respond. 
And it's interesting in this chapter, Isaiah 55, the prophet uses the imagery of an invitation to a banquet with God to actually invite Israel to come to him in fellowship, in communion, in relationship, so that God could renew his covenant with them and pour out abundant showers of blessing upon him. And Israel's reluctance or lack of urgency to respond to that invitation would not only delay their blessing, but more importantly, delay the communion and intimacy and maybe even miss out on it that God was extending to his people. One of the problems that many believers, particularly in a Western context, struggle with is a lack of urgency to respond, RSVP, to God's invitation to deeper fellowship and intimacy with them. In a land where we are free, in a land where we can choose whether or not we come to the house of God to worship, pray, read our Bible, uh, and in a land that's not restricted when it comes to us worshipping God for who He is, it's amazing how apathetic and, and, and reluctant and passive we can be about answering that invitation. God's invitations come in various forms. Today, this sermon could be your invitation. Uh, sometimes the invitation comes through prophecy or a prophetic word. Other times the invitation comes through contradictions in our circumstances. And by the way, you just need to know God is exceedingly good. He's completely and totally perfect. He doesn't send sickness to you. He doesn't send financial difficulty to you. He doesn't send pain and problems to you. But He does say, in this world, you're gonna have tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What God does do, He makes everything that the enemy meant for evil for us and He turns it into our good if we partner and co-labor with Him in faith. What He does do is use every contradiction and circumstance, no matter how difficult or painful, to produce something beautiful. He gives you a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning. This is who God is and this is what God does. But He does use circumstances at times, however contradictory, to invite you into deeper fellowship and relationship with Him. And he gives you a free will. He gives you a choice about how you're gonna respond to that. Other times he invites you through a a whisper, a whisper in your heart. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have to beat you over the head with a sledgehammer to get your attention all the time? I am so glad that when I I, I say, God, I I thank you for your discipline in my life. Just be gentle. That's a good prayer to pray. I say, Lord, you don't need to hit me with a sledgehammer. You don't, you don't need to get my attention, not that he would hit me with a sledgehammer in a negative way, but sometimes God has a way of allowing us to bump into our own walls. You know what I'm talking about? And so sometimes it's the gentle whisper that's the invitation. Other times it's a God encounter like we've had today or maybe a revival conference encounter or an encounter with God in your devotional time. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You need to understand something that God is always knocking on the door of our hearts. The issue is, are we hearing, are we listening and are we willing to open the door? God's always knocking. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship. But you have to hear and you have to open the door. And this is why throughout the Scriptures, there's this exhortation about don't harden your hearts. Don't be dull of hearing. 
but actually be soft, be tender. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. There's something about keeping a soft heart, keeping a tender heart towards the things of God. God, God uses, God moves through all of us, but He particularly is drawn to a tender heart, a soft heart, a heart that has been allowed to be broken and pliable and moldable. And I believe the Lord is trying to tenderize our hearts in our lives, not so that He can um, punish us, but so that He can promote us into what He's called us to. Matthew 22, 14 says, many are called, few are chosen. We can unchoose ourselves by failing to recognise the urgency of the invitation. We can unchoose ourselves by failing to recognise the season, the opportunity that is before us. Matthew 25, we read about the parable of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps to go meet their bridegroom at the wedding feast. But the bridegroom delayed, a picture of Jesus' return. And so they became drowsy and slept. The door was shut to them. And then the door was opened. And the five foolish did not come with reserves of oil to trim their lamps. And their lamps were going out. And they asked to borrow some oil from the five wise. And they said, no, because we wouldn't have enough for the wedding feast to go and serve the wedding feast. And so they had to go to the market, buy more oil and come back. And by the time they got back, the door was shut to them. And the exhortation from Jesus is be watchful, be alert, for this is the kingdom of heaven. And you know not what time, day or hour the Son of Man returns. One of the failures, one of the problems in a comfortable society when it comes to believers is we fail to recognise the urgency of the hour or the urgency of the invitation that God is giving to us. And so the solution to that is we've got a RSVP to God's invitation, ASAP. You say, where is that in the text? The prophet in verse six says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. How many of us know that implies there is a day coming when the Lord won't be found, nor will he be near? And how many of us know that's a scary proposition? We often take for granted the fact because we're saved or we're in relationship with God that, that, you know, well, we've got a relationship with God, so we're all okay, but we fail to recognise the urgency of the hour as literally millions of people die to an eternal separation from God. And then we fail to recognise the things that God is asking us to in covenant relationship with us. It's an interesting verse in Genesis 6.3. It says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. And there are two contexts and applications, or two applications to the one context. He's, he's, he's speaking about the dynamic of our length of days and time on earth. It says man shall only live uh, up to 120 days 
in that passage of Scripture, 120 years, sorry. Um, and, and then the second application, some of you got real worried then. And then the second application of that is, is that there is coming a day when Jesus returns, the Spirit of God will leave this earth. I don't even wanna begin to imagine what this earth would be like without a covenant of grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit here. We are under a covenant of grace. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh, but there is coming a day when we will be with Him caught up in the air in heaven and the Holy Spirit will be taken from this earth and for a period of time, the enemy of our soul and the God of this age will have free reign. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so we've got to understand that in the Bible, there's two dimensions of time. There's chronos and kairos time. I speak a lot about this because it's a revelation to my soul because many people are living their lives by chronos time, the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. They look at the natural seasons the natural circumstances, what's going on in the natural, and they live their life accordingly. But you need to understand there is this thing called kairos time. It is God's appointed window of opportunity and it must be seized if you're going to maximise that which God is trying to lead you into. There is a saying that says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. How many know there's an expiry date on certain invitations? There's an expiry date to your RSVP. There's an expiry date to certain opportunities. God calls people and, and He gives them grace and He extends invitations and opportunities. And there's always a second chance with God. But there is certain invitations, certain things that God puts before us, we've got to seize in the window that that opportunity is given. You know, late last year, God spoke to me a clear word um, from a man I didn't know. He came up to me in the conference. It was the end of the session. And uh, he said, I don't know what this means, but God's been speaking to me the whole session. And uh, God's given me two words for you, strip back. It took me a little bit by surprise. What, do I take my jacket off? What's going on? And, and, and it's like, when, when God speaks... There's literal, there's metaphorical, there's symbolic, there's different ways that we interpret and different modes of communication. But out of all the amazing prophecies I received last year, those two words stripped back, gripped my heart. And for weeks and months, I pondered it, I processed it. I'm asking God, what does this look like? And the Holy Spirit came and put His finger on a few key things in my life. One was a responsibility I had in our national movement. Another was all the invitations I'd accepted for the first six months of this year. He said, I want you to cancel them. I want you to step off that because I'm giving you a window for you to seek me more that there are things coming for Numa Church, there are things coming for you at the back end of 2023 and into 2024, that if you don't seize this opportunity, if you don't seek me while I may be found, call upon me while I am near, you are going to miss what I have for you on the other side. And there was this prophetic word that I received from a prophet about a river running next to a door that was slowly closing. And the word came and said, if you don't jump in the river, you're gonna miss what it is that God wants to do in the next season. I'm like, I thought I already was. How many know there's always more 
that you can experience of the presence of God. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Can I encourage you with this? Pay attention to what God's asking of you today because tomorrow depends upon it. There are things that if I didn't pay attention to and obey 10 years ago, I would not be walking in today. There are things that the Lord asked of me 20 years ago that if I didn't obey and listen to, I would have delayed what God was wanting to bring into my life. Spiritual maturity is not simply measured by the character of Christ or the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Spiritual maturity is also measured by the gap between God's Word in your life and your obedient response. The distance between God speaking and you obeying is an indicator of your maturity. And where there is a sensitivity and there is a brokenness and there is a dependence and there is God, apart from you, I can do nothing. And you have a full revelation of that. You lean on the Word and you actively obey. So here's the question. What was the last thing God asked you to do you haven't done yet? Because as I was preparing this and praying, the, the Lord brought something to my mind and heart that I know I've got to do. And if I've got to do, I'm pretty sure all of us may have something. It could be as simple as making a phone call to someone and apologising. It may be to pay for somebody else's meal at lunch today or to, to, to honour God with your tithe or it could be that God's asked you to go on a mission trip or asked you to write a book or ask whatever it is. What's the last thing God asked you to do that you haven't done? Because here's the deal. You and I will just keep going around the mountain until we obey what God asked us to do. You're making me work hard today. Is this helpful? I'm a words of affirmation, man. Give me some love, please. <clears throat> good. That's, that's good. The tank filled up. Your obedience today is preparation for your fruitfulness tomorrow. And it's so important that we are recognising and discerning what God is saying today and we RSVP ASAP. The greatest obstacle to you accepting the invitation is we can stubbornly persist with our own thoughts and ways. And this is why the prophet in verse 7 he says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Okay? Coming to God won't cost you money, but it will cost you your pride. Which for a lot of people is more expensive than money. I'd say for all of us. And this is why in verse 1, the prophet says, God saying through the prophet, come buy wine and milk, which is a picture of spirit and word, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which isn't bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy? A lot of people are exhausting themselves with pride by pursuing a lie rather than humbling themselves and being energised by truth. Pride would rather be exhausted by a lie than energized by a truth. 
because it wants to hold on to its stubborn thoughts and ways. Pride thinks we know better than God. Who's ever thought that? Don't put up your hands. If I look back over my life at when I've disobeyed God and haven't obeyed His voice, it's because I thought I knew better. Until everything goes pear-shaped and then you're on your knees groveling. Ever been there? Am I the only dysfunctional person in the room? And so you, 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 you think, you know, it's like for a lot of us, this is why we say part of our kingdom culture values, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Because what a lot of believers do is they work and, and they do stuff and they make it all happen. And then if it all goes well, oh, well, it's God's will. Then when it all goes pear-shaped, oh, then they start praying. No, pray at the front end. Pray at the start. Because we also say everything happens better after prayer. You submit it. You're showing God I'm dependent. I trust you and I'm leaning into you. When we think we know better than God, doesn't go well. Just ask King Saul. King Saul was anointed by God, chosen by God. You can be chosen by God to do something great. Lead a business, lead a family, lead a nation, lead a church, chosen by God. But he thought he knew better than God. And so he goes and he willfully disobeys the law, offers up a sacrifice in place of the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? And no matter how many excuses and reasons you come up with that are very creative, King Saul, the fact is the kingdom is gonna be torn from you because you did not obey God's thoughts and ways. You persisted stubbornly in your own. And when you and I stubbornly persist with our thoughts and our ways at the expense of God's thoughts and ways, it's another term, another name for pride. And what did the prophet say to Saul? He said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen is better than to offer up the fat of rams. I heard someone say once, listen or your tongue will keep you deaf. Have you ever been in a one way or a conversation with someone that no matter how many breaths in the conversation you try to offer up advice, they just talk over the top of you? Has that ever happened to anyone? Don't look at your spouse if that says. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they're their own counsellor. They've worked out how the world works. And it's just talking and talking and talking. And it's a, I remember one time riding a bike with a dude who we rode for three hours and he's telling me he's just, his marriage is busted, his business is bankrupt, his body is hurting. And every time there was a pause in the conversation, I go, well, you could. And he'd talk over the top of me. Well, what about? And he'd talk over the top. By the end of it, I wanted to ride myself into a brick wall to put myself out of misery. <laughs> and sometimes you and I are like that with God. It's like we're talking, even our prayer life can become a sort of monologue instead of a dialogue. We're like, don't you know what's going on in my life? And it's not like God's up in heaven scratching his head going, I had no idea. Really, I had no idea you're going through that. Grab an angel with a mangy wing, come over here. Did you know that Harry has got a problem with Sally? I mean, did you know? No, it doesn't happen. God knows 
better than you and I how to resolve your complex, complicated situation. Whether it's financial, physical, relational, ministry, whatever it is. So what's going to block what is going to be an obstacle to us accepting the invitation, running to Him, is us persisting in our thoughts and ways. A stronghold which pride leads to isn't a dark atmosphere in the sky. Not some ooky, spooky thing in the sky. It's a fortress of wrong thinking in the mind. And pride is the doorway to a demonic stronghold that will block the access of the river of God's Spirit in your life. If pride turned an angel into a devil, what will it do to you? Just let that just sit in for a sec. And so... The seat of pride is what sin sits in. Sin loves to take a seat. It's not the best image for those over there, but. (laughs) Pride is the seat and the stronghold where sin dwells. And pride begins in not just the seat of our hearts, but in the stronghold of our thinking. It's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. So the thoughts you think lead to the ways you live. So the answer to stubbornly persisting in our thoughts and ways is we've actually got to exchange our thoughts and ways for God's thoughts and ways. And this is why in verse 7, the prophet says, let him return to the Lord. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we're born again, our spirit is regenerated, but our mind is still operating on old software. So that's why some believers, when they get saved, they were dead in sin, now they're made alive with Christ. They've been given the mind of Christ by the Spirit. They have been regenerated in their spirit. They're now made alive. But the spiritual reality of the outworking of the mind of Christ needs a co-laboring partnership of mind renewal. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Not the removal of your mind, as a lot of secular sort of people think that Christians have lost their mind. No, our minds have just, yes, washed Washed by the Word. Literally, we're brainwashed by the Word. Yep, totally. Bought in all the way, brains washed. Yep. You should go through the washing machine too. And then they tell you all about their problems. You're like, how's that working for you? So when the Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, it says, it means literally, don't be squeezed into the mold of this age. A lot of people don't understand that one of the primary reasons for the renewal of our mind is not only to think like God, but if you're going to access the kingdom of heaven and the laws that govern the kingdom of heaven, 
you need your mind renewed to think like God to access that. Because the laws and the principles that govern the kingdom of this world is completely contrary and different to the laws of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, the kingdom of God is countercultural. If you want to be successful and fruitful and effective in the kingdom of this world, you need to abide by the principles of the system of this age. You have to conform to it. You have to be squeezed into its mold if you want the God of this age to promote you. That's very challenging. Because a lot of people are aiming for goals that only are to do with the system of this world, not the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord's like, well, if you abide by the principles and the laws of this world, knock yourself out, you'll succeed. But you'll lose out in the next. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What, what are you giving up? What are you exchanging? But if you want to actually live by the kingdom of heaven, and be able to manifest God's will in any given situation, then we need our minds renewed to think like God according to His truth, His principle, and His laws. You say, well, what is God's will? Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't get better than that. If you would align your life with heavenly realities, that's why I preached on that two weeks ago, live your life by heavenly realities, you will begin to discern and test what is God's perfect will in any given situation. Is this helping? You see, the ways of God are only accessible through the thoughts of God. So if you want your ways to become more like God's ways, then your thoughts have to become more like His. Hal Oxley, great general of the faith, passed away, I think 103, 104, great man of God, planted, pastored churches, led movements. He was alarmed as a young man at the thoughts going into his head. He loved the Lord all his life, alarmed. And he decided to grab his Bible, go to a park bench and do what only he knew to do. And he sat there for, the, for three, four days and every time a toxic negative thought came into his head, he would identify it, go to the Word of God where there was a truth that counted that and he would read and declare out loud that truth to the point that it overwhelmed the negative thought. He stopped long enough to become aware and after five days he said it was like his brain had had a spring clean and his mind was clear of toxicity and distraction as he counted the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's Word. The more you believe a lie, the more you empower the liar in your life. But when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And so we're gonna enter into this great exchange. We're gonna exchange a lie for a truth. We've gotta be aware of the thoughts that are passing through our heads. And a lot of people say, well, I, I, I wish I could, but you know, it's just so hard and it's just so difficult. Listen, you are not a victim of your biology or your circumstances. God has given you a choice in the thoughts that you think. Even scientists understand that your, our brains 
are not static, but it's like neuroplasticity. God has built into the DNA of the brain that your brain function can change as you change your thinking. This is where victory is. This is where freedom is. This is why after you get saved, the the biggest transformation that will happen to you after your spirit's regenerated is in your thinking between your ears. And so a thought, reap a word. So a word, reap an action. So an action, reap a, a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a lifestyle. So a lifestyle, reap a destiny. The path begins with a thought and ends in a destiny. If you want to change the end outcome, you've got to change the input. And some of us are living in bondage and restriction, even though our spiritual bank accounts are filled with heavenly inheritance and we're not accessing making transactions because of stinking thinking. Because of limited thinking, restricted thinking, simply responding to earthly Problems with earthly logic. I'm telling you, where God wants to take you is going to require heavenly wisdom. Where God wants to take this church the next 25 years, if He doesn't return, requires heavenly wisdom. I am not up for it in my own strength, but I already know that. That liberates me. It's the person who is obstinate and stubborn and is persisting in their own strength and energy. It's just you're going to exhaust yourself. It's like, humble yourself, forsake your thoughts, return to the Lord. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And and you say, how do you do that? You repent of apathy. You renew your mind and you return to your first love. Repentance isn't feeling remorseful and shameful. That may be a part of it, but that's not it. Repentance is change your mind, change your heart. Renewing your mind, identify the toxic thought. Go to the word for the truth, counter it, decree it, declare it, paste it all over your house until it becomes a part of you. The thoughts you're thinking today is gonna determine the reality you live in tomorrow. So you need to understand, like, I love this Oh, I don't care if it sounds weird. Um, because it's true, and I believe it's what God wants for every one of us. I love my life. No, serious. Are there some challenges? Yep. Is there some pain? Yep. Are there some problems? Yep. Are there things to navigate? Yep. But you've got to understand, I, the Lord put this as a dream in my heart 25 years ago. Things we're doing, things we're walking into, doors that are opening all over the world. The move of God that's taking place was a thought and a dream before it was a reality. And we keep getting words like, you're only at the beginning, you're only started. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? God wants you to live your life, love your life. Some of you despise your life. This is the only life you got. God gave it to you. But if you don't like the results or the fruit that life's given you, you've got to change the input. You've got to change the, the thoughts you think. 
And why are we going to let the self-help industry and the spirit of the world steal the principles of God's kingdom? Annie, don't spend your money on another self-help course or another book. Just read the Bible. It's all here. Faith calls those things that are not as if they already were. Faith sees something in the spirit before your eyes see it in the natural. This is a life of faith. Jesus, before he ascended to the Father, was accessing heavenly realities. Mount Transfiguration. He was transfigured before them. He was talking with heavenly beings who'd already passed on, which means that in the flesh, he was able to access heavenly realities. You can only do that if your mind's renewed. And so every problem and opposition that comes against you is from an inferior kingdom to the seed of the superior kingdom that lives inside of you. So the smallest seed in the kingdom that Jesus could point to is a mustard seed of faith. The smallest seed of the kingdom of God is enough to speak to a mountain of opposition in an inferior kingdom and command it to move. The smallest seed in the kingdom. The only way that is gonna change and move elements in this natural world is if you've come into agreement with it and have your mind renewed with the truth of the kingdom that you are called to. Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. We pray that you have been blessed by today's message. Please follow us on our social media platforms and visit our website, numa.church.